Brought to you by the Appleseed. It's like a regular episode. Only shorter. We call them bites. Thanks for joining us for an Appleseed Bite, a mini episode of the show, just a single story long, just a few minutes, in case you've only got a few minutes and you want to fill them with some great storytelling. We've got some great storytelling for you today, and we want to remind you that we bring you a few of these bites each week in preparation for Thursday. That's when we make our hour-long episode drop, an hour filled with stories for you and your family. This Thursday, tune in for a great story from the wonderful North Carolina storyteller Donna Washington, a story called Bastianello, filled with silliness for you and your family. And you'll also hear a terrific Reader's Theater presentation of the Lewis Carroll classic, Through the Looking Glass, or a scene from it, anyway. That's something you won't want to miss, and it's coming up on Thursday. In the meantime, I'm pleased to be joined in the studio by Trent Horton, one of our assistant producers. Trent, it's great to have you with me. Hey, Sam. And what are we going to hear on today's Appleseed Bite? So we're going to hear a story from Bill Lepp, one of my favorites. <clears throat> Sorry, my voice is a little gone from from a cold I had last week, and is still trying to heal oh, from geez. that. But uh, you and me both, yeah. Um, but this story is called Jonah: The Real Story, <laughs> and many people might think that they have heard the story of Jonah and the whale, right? But they have not visited the basement library of Duke University <laughs> with Bill Lepp because apparently. Jonah was actually from West Virginia. <laughs> That's what happens when the biblical story meets the tall tale teller Bill Lepp. Right? Yep. Yeah. That's exactly right. <laughs> well, Jonah, the real story is what's coming up on today's Appleseed Bite. Jonah, the real story. I went to Sunday school and church pretty regular when I was growing up, and I got to where I knew the Bible real good. I knew all about how Moses built that big boat and got a bunch of animals and two-by-twos on it, and how Noah led the Egyptians out of Israel, and I figured if I knew the Bible that good, I ought to become a preacher. So I went down to Duke University Divinity School, and I started in. But I can tell you right now that them big-shot professors of religion got some mighty strange things to teach a man about the Bible. First of all, I always thought A.D. just meant after dinner, since the preacher's always talking about the Last Supper, and I figured B.C. just meant before Clinton. The next thing they taught me, and I thought this was pretty strange, was that King James didn't even write the Bible. They told me that originally it was written in some kind of language called Hebrew. Now, just between you and me, I thought Hebrew was some kind of real man's beer. You know, Hebrew, for the he-man beer drinker in your life. Well, it wasn't long before one of those professors assigned me a paper to write. He said I had to write a paper on the book of Jonah. Well, I went down into the basement of the Duke University Library, way down to the bottom floor where they keep all the books on Jonah, and I found a book called The Real Story of Jonah, and I was a mite surprised at what was in there. As it turns out, the real story of Jonah didn't happen in the ancient Near East at all, but rather happened in West Virginia. And it involves carp and giant coal trains, and it comes right out of the Bible. Honest. You see, old Jonah, he was sitting way up Naw Holler one day there in Kanawha County, West Virginia. He was sitting on his front porch in his rocking chair. He was nestled in between his washing machine and his refrigerator. His window was open, and the sweet, melodious sounds of the Andy Griffith Show were drifting out the window. He had a Hebrew in one hand, and with his other hand, he was petting his ever-so-Gentile hound dog. 
Well, Jonah was just sitting there sort of observing his property, and his eyes sparkled as he looked at his shed where he had nailed one hubcap of every GM car ever made. And then he looked across the driveway, and it just warmed his heart when he saw the rear end of a pickup truck that he had converted into a trailer and written farm use on it in real big white letters. And it just warmed his soul when he looked down his driveway and thought about how hard it had been, but how rewarding it had been, to bury all those tires halfway in the dirt and paint them white to mark his driveway. He was just sitting there thinking to himself, almost heaven, West Virginia. When suddenly the word of the Lord came to Jonah, and the Lord said, Jonah, a great sin has come up in Half Dollar, West Virginia, and I need you to go down there and do a little revival and then save those people. Well, now, Jonah had done a little preaching in the past, but lately he'd been doing a little backsliding, if you know what I mean, and, well, I expect you know exactly what I mean. So he didn't want to go to Half Dollar, and he slipped on his boots and headed down towards Cowan, figuring to go to Grafton, because everybody knows that Grafton is the opposite direction of Half Dollar, and everybody knows that down there at Cowan starts that fine and famed run of Weirton's world-famous steel fashion into CSNX railroad tracks, running clear from Cowan to Grafton via Burnsville, Buckhannon, Carrollton, and Phillippe. Now Jonah was figuring on jumping one of those six-engine, 168-car CSNX monster trains, loaded down with 19,364 tons of pure West Virginia bituminous coal. But as everybody knows, it's illegal to jump a coal train. So Jonah just kind of crouched down in the weeds and waited for the sun to set. And just as the sun was disappearing below the horizon, a big old train pulled out. Well, Jonah looked over one shoulder and then over the other. He saw that nobody was watching, and he ran out of the weeds and pulled himself up into the last car of that giant coal train heading towards Grafton. Well, he made himself a hole, and he buried himself in the coal and promptly fell asleep because he was pretty tired. I mean, running from the Lord is the sort of thing that'll wear a man out. Well, Jonah was so tired that he didn't even notice that the rain started coming, and boy, it was raining hard. And as most of you know, right there alongside those railroad tracks runs the Buckhannon River. As the rains came down, the water in the river started to come up. And pretty soon, the water was even with the grass on the bank. And then it was even with the gravel of the railroad track. And then it was even with the tracks themselves. And then that train was plowing through about six feet of water. Well, the engineer and the crew, they were getting pretty nervous. They were experienced men. They'd driven under all sorts of conditions. But they knew that there was nothing they could do that was going to make that train float. So the engineer and the crew, they got down on their knees and they started praying to their various gods to stop the rain. But alas, Charlie Daniels and Richard Petty don't have much control over the weather. Well, that engineer was right nervous, so he got up out of that train and he started walking back along those coal cars. And pretty soon he came across Jonah, sound asleep like a pocket of methane nestled up in that coal. Well, he reached down and he picked Jonah up and he shook him awake and he said, Boy! You're in a lot of trouble. He said, first of all, you're trespassing. Second of all, this great storm has arisen and we're all going to drown. Well, Jonah kind of woke himself up and got his bearings and saw what was going on. And he said, um, he said, Mr. Engineer, man, I got some good news and I got some bad news. He said, the bad news is this is all my fault. The Lord told me to go to Half Dollar, and I decided to go to Grafton instead. And so the Lord has sent this great storm to show me the error of my ways and to change my direction. He said, the good news is, all you got to do to save yourself 
is throw me off this train. Well, now this is the 21st century, and that engineer, he was in touch with his emotions and his inner child and his feminine side, and when he heard that outpouring of truth come forth from Jonah, he was just overwhelmed, and he started to cry, and he reached out with both arms, and he hugged Jonah, and he embraced him in a loving way and threw him off the very next bridge they came to. And Jonah plopped down into the muddy waters of the Buckhannon River. Well, now, as most of you know, Below the spillway, the Buckhannon River is a shallow, nasty, murky, sewage-fed river. But above the spillway, it's a deep, nasty, murky, sewage-fed river full of some of the meanest wildlife you'll ever run into. And quicker than you can say live bait for sale, Jonah was swallowed up by a mean, ugly river carp. And Jonah was in the belly of that fish for three days before he ever started praying. Now, folks, I've been on dates for three minutes where I was already praying, and just between you and me, I figure being in the belly of a river carp would be something like being locked in the bathroom of a cross-country Greyhound bus with two drunk sick pigs and Ted Kennedy. Now, eventually, Jonah did get around to praying. He said, Lord, he said, I know I'm not the smartest man you ever put on earth. He said, I admit it. I thought hooked on phonics was a fishing lure. I know you want me to go to Half Dollar and do some preaching, and I tried to go to Grafton instead, and so you sent this fish to swallow me up. But he said, Lord, I promise you that if you will get me out of this fish's belly, I will do whatever you want. And the Lord heard Jonah's prayer, and the Lord had compassion on Jonah, and the Lord spoke to that fish, and that fish swam up to shore and spit Jonah out like so much chewed-up beech nut. Well, Jonah got up, dusted himself off, and started heading towards Half Dollar, pausing only long enough to take a shower, play the lottery, and try and satiate his strange but undeniable urge for sushi. (laughs) The West Virginia tall tale teller Bill Lepp, uh, who does in fact have a history in pastoring a congregation uh but of course you can't uh, you, you got to take everything bill lepp says with a grain of salt don't yeah. you trent horton <laughs> yes you do <laughs> when you hear that story and again a rollicking retelling of the biblical tale right uh, uh where does that take you you know it actually at the beginning of the, the story of of the real jonah yeah um <laughs> he talks about Jonah's yard and the hubcaps that are hanging from <laughs> the the shed and the the tires painted white poking up halfway out of the ground to line his driveway and it actually brings me to my grandpa's house not because he had hubcaps or the white tires but because he he did everything himself any <laughs> modifications to the house anything in the backyard he had built a shed he had built like himself some gardens um everything there was was homemade and and he's I mean, he's very talented, and he just uses what he has to make everything work. It's pretty cool. <laughs> you know, even a fanciful tale like this can bring back real memories, and some of them touching ones, some of them mm-hmm. moving ones, uh, people that we love and places that we know and things like that. And, of course, you know, as I as I hear a story like this, I think of uh, a phrase from the great storyteller Ed Stivender who said, uh, where faith is strong, 
the winds of laughter can do no harm. That was less a theological experience with Bill Lepp, right, than, mm-hmm. than it was a laughter experience. Right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but always a pleasure to bring uh, uh, something from, again, the West Virginia tall tale teller Bill Lepp to you. That's a very early recording in a very long career, delighting audiences on stages and on recordings and at festivals. It was a pleasure to bring you that story. Thanks, Trent, for joining me. Yeah. And, of course, on Thursday, join us for a full hour-long episode of this show filled with stories for you and your family. Uh, A story in that episode from the great North Carolina storyteller Donna Washington recorded live in the Appleseed studio before our audience. And it's a story called Bastianello, filled with silliness for you and your family. And, of course, you'll also hear a scene from Through the Looking Glass, the Lewis Carroll classic, one of the Alice books. I'm Sam Payne, and I can't wait to be with you again on the apple seed. Thanks for joining us for a bite brought to you by the apple seed. <laughs>